As I know you're well aware, our theme this summer is connectability. We've been talking about different ways that we can connect with, with God and with each other and with ourselves uh, in a time where a lot of us are feeling disconnected. And as I know you're aware, the series has been based on what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, if you've been paying attention to these messages, I know you have. If you've been paying attention to the devotions in our Connectability Workbook, you've probably noticed that this theme has been divided into three sub-themes. We began by talking about ways we can connect with God, ways we love God with our hearts, with our minds, our intellects, and even with our, our physical bodies. Then we shifted to our second theme to talk about how we connect with each other. We talked about friendship. Remember, we invited back some of our, our old pastors to be part of that conversation. We talked about how we can connect with each other through acceptance, people who are different than us. And even last week, we talked about ways we can connect with each other by being courageous and overcoming fear. Well, that brings us today to the last part of the summer series about connecting with ourselves. Really, as the commandment says, to love ourselves. That is what the commandment said. It wasn't just love God and love others. It said love others, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is an implicit command in that, that we are to love ourselves. Well, listen, I know that that probably sounds strange. It doesn't sound Christian to say, I love myself. I love me. It, it sounds a little bit more like those self-help books you find at the bookstore or, or pop psychology or, or even what some people might call first world entitlement. Images come to mind for me of, of TV commercials or, or ads in magazines saying, you know, love yourself, reward yourself, you deserve it. Kind of an encouragement to self-indulgent. Love yourself, go make a reservation at an exclusive five-star resort. Love yourself. Go buy a, a bag of cookies or a gallon of ice cream or bake a pan of brownies, and they're all for you. Love yourself. Go get those diamond earrings, that Rolex watch you've always wanted. Love yourself. Go get that new car you deserve. I need to say, clearly, that's not the kind of self-love that Jesus is talking about. In fact, if you're ever unclear about what is and what isn't self-love, just imagine, would Jesus do that? Do you imagine Jesus laying out at the pool at the five-star resort? Do you imagine Jesus gorging on a pan of brownies? Do you imagine Jesus wearing bling? Do you imagine Jesus driving a Lamborghini? I, I don't either. So Jesus must, when he said that we must love ourselves, I think he must mean something else. I think it's pretty clear to all of us that the command 
to love ourselves is not, not, bold letters, not, underline, not, not self-centered or narcissistic. Self-love is not, biblically speaking, self-idolatry or self-adoration or pride. Biblical self-love is not egotistical or self-aggrandizing. It's not putting yourself first or, or putting yourself up on a pedestal of your own making. It's certainly not self-worship. There's a commandment about worshiping anything before God. None of those things would qualify as self-love. In fact, they couldn't be further from what the Bible means when it commands us to love ourselves. The commandment to love yourself is rooted in a very simple theological concept. It's knowing that God created you. That God loves you, that God forgives you, and that God has a purpose for your life. Let, Let me just say that again. Loving yourself is rooted in this very simple theological concept. Knowing, really knowing, that God created you, that God loves you, that when you mess up, that God has already forgiven you, and that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, it's knowing it. It's really knowing it, that you were created by a loving God, that you are loved with an unfailing, unconditional love, and nothing can change that. Now, when I think about the difference between what the world says is self-love and what I read in the Bible is the commandment to love ourselves, the word that comes to mind for me is humility. That's a good biblical word. It's a word we associate with Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are the humble, right? But sometimes I think we have the wrong idea about what humility or, or, or being humble really means. For some reason, when I hear people use the word humble, it it sounds as though they think it means that you've got to be weak or timid or insecure or afraid or or lacking in self-esteem. The idea that, that being humble means that you can't take a compliment, that you always have to defer to others, that that being humble means that you're passive. That you have to be kind of like a doormat that others might stomp on, and that's okay because you're you're humble. I get the image of of that that timid wallflower hanging out at the wall during the high school dance, or the or the weakling at the beach uh, getting sand kicked in his face by a bully. Well, I want to say today that is not biblical. Humility, that, that's not at all what the Bible is telling us to do or to be when it says that we're to be humble like Christ. Jesus was never weak. Jesus was never timid. He certainly was not insecure or passive. He always, consistently knew who he was. He knew whose he was. He knew his connection to his Father. And he certainly knew his purpose. He was un wavering, unflinching. Jesus never once was weak in the face of opposition. He was never weak in the face of criticism. He certainly was not weak as he faced the cross. 
and died courageously accepting that reality. I think to understand what humility means, we really have to grasp the meaning of the word. You may or may not have noticed that the root of the word humility is the same root in the word human. Isn't that interesting? Humility, human. It's also the root of another word that we use for dirt or soil, humus. Now, isn't that interesting, the connection there? Humility, human, humus, all sharing that common root. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed from the dust of the ground. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Man there is meant as human. God created humans by, by reaching down into the dirt, the humus, and forming us. Now, now I want you to get that image. God has, has just created the heavens and the earth, everything that exists. Now God has begun to, to form the inhabitants, the living things that will live in this creation that God has made. But when it comes to the humans, God reaches down into the humus, the dirt, and starts forming it. Starts, starts shaping it. The image I have is like a, a potter working with clay, dirt, shaping it into the form that the potter wants it to be. Or, or maybe you could think of a child making mud pies, right? Working in the dirt, forming them into a shape. Or maybe a child working with a can of Play-Doh, creating, right? Shaping until it's just right. God created us, the story goes, out of humus. Humans out of humus, created from dirt. And whether or not you believe this story literally, that God created the first human Adam by, by reaching down into the dirt, or whether you understand it more literally or metaphorically, it's true nonetheless. We really are dirt, the human body is basically composed of the exact same minerals we found in the earth. Carbon and calcium and phosphorus and potassium and sodium and, and a whole host of other minerals. When a body dies, if it's left to, to decompose in a natural way, it returns to the earth, just as it says, from, from ashes and dust we have come, to, to dust, dirt, we shall return. Now, now, in this passage I just read from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God formed us, but just the forming itself didn't make us living creatures. Just the forming of us didn't make us humans. At that point, we were just a pile of dirt, a, a, a nicely shaped pile of dirt, but, but still the dirt itself did not have life. Adam did not come to life. The human did not come to life until God breathed God's spirit into this new living being. And so that's what a human is. A human is made of dirt. That's literally true. But given life by the breath of God, 
that's within us. I think that's what humility is. It's knowing that basic truth. I didn't create myself. In fact, I didn't even create the dirt that I'm made of. But I am made by the one who created the dirt. I am created by the creator of the universe. I'm not the author of my life. But my life does come from a holy source. The breath within me, the breath that I breathe is not my own. But it is the breath of God. I am dirt. You, my friends, are dirt. You might turn to the people that are with you and just remind them, say, hey, buddy, you're, you're dirt. Hey, hey, dear, darling, uh, you're dirt. Hey, kids, you're dirt. And that's the truth of who and what we are. But don't forget to remind them. Don't forget to tell yourself, I might be dirt, but I'm God's dirt. And I'm good dirt. I'm going to be honest for a minute. I think dirt gets a pretty bad rap. I mean, I mean, after all, who wants to be, you know, dirty? That's why we bathe ourselves. That's why we bathe our children when they come in from playing outside to get the dirt off. That's why we wash our clothes to, to get the dirt off. That's why we wipe our shoes off before we come inside, you know, hopefully. And if you're not, then you, you got to get out the broom and, and the vacuum to... to Sweep up the dirt because we don't want that on our floors. It's why we, why we pave our streets. It's why we pave our sidewalks. It's why we pave parking lots so that we don't have to walk or drive in the dirt. It's why most of our houses have floors. My friends in Guatemala live in houses with dirt floors, but, but it's, a, it's a great step up when you can get a, a concrete floor or a wood floor or even a carpeted floor like many of us have. Even think about our yards. We cover the dirt with grass or with, with manicured flower beds. We cover up the dirt. But dirt isn't useless. Dirt isn't valueless. In fact, dirt has great value. All of our food comes from the dirt. The, the dirt itself is full of, of nutrients and microorganisms. It's full of potential and possibility. What would we eat if not? For the dirt that provides life and nourishment. Think about the minerals that we get from the dirt, the, the raw materials that we get from the dirt for, for making all the things that we so often take for granted. The truth is, much of what we are as humans is from the dirt. We are children of the dirt. That's humility. Humility is reminding ourselves that I am not God, thank God. You're not God, thank God. But I am, and you are, because of God. You and I are made by God and filled with God's holy breath. Let, let me return us to the key theological concept I shared with us just a few moments ago. The command to love ourselves as we love our neighbor is rooted in this simple theological belief. I am made by God. God loves me. God has already forgiven me. And God has a purpose for my life that God created me for a reason. God made us. God loves us. God forgives us. God gives us purpose. 
That's biblical self-love, knowing that you are loved. It's about knowing who we are, the truth of who we are. That's humility. Nothing more, nothing less. It's knowing the truth of who I am. It's also knowing whose I am, that I belong to God, and that God has given me a reason for life. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure in clay pots. We have this treasure in clay pots so that the awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. Paul is, of course, referring back to the creation story. He knows we're created of dirt. And he says, so a human is like an earthen vessel. It's like a clay pot, a jar of clay. That's what we are. An artist has taken clay from the ground and shaped it and formed it into a particular purpose. That's what we are. But he also says we're filled with treasure. We have this treasure, he says, in clay pots. What treasure? The presence and power of God, the the Spirit who makes his home inside of us. That is humility. I am a clay jar. I'm an earthen vessel made by God. That's all I am. But I am filled with treasure. I'm filled with the presence of the Creator Himself that there is within every human being because we are made by God and filled with God, limitless possibility. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if in humility we know that we are created by God with all this possibility and potential, the question is, what will you and I do do with that possibility, with that potential? The author Sumon Kidd says, over and over again, God calls you and me in the gardening of our own divine depths. God calls us to tend what lies seated in the soul. The soul is the holy soil in which the divine life of God is planted for us to cultivate and experience. Today, of course, being the first Sunday of the month is a a communion Sunday. And in just a moment, uh, Pastor Emily and I will gather here at the altar I hope that in in your own way you have an altar there in your home and you're ready to receive communion with us today. We believe this is special. We believe that, that holy communion is a sacred thing. We'll be eating bread that represents for us Jesus' flesh given for our salvation. We'll we'll drink juice. You'll have juice or wine, I hope, at your home that that represents something sacred, the blood of Jesus that forgives us. We believe this is a special meal, that, that there is something about this bread and this juice or wine that is unique and different. It, it's not like the, the, the bagel and juice you might have had just a few moments ago for breakfast. It is holy. Holy means other. It means sacred. It means set apart. It means special. This, this bread and this juice that we're about to share is, 
is not like other food. Or is it? I mean, true, we, we set it apart by, by the, the prayers we'll say, by the blessing that we invoke, because this is a sacred moment that we, we observe this ritual together. But, but the truth is that the bread that we'll eat may have been bought at the same store you bought your bagel. It, it, the, the juice you had for breakfast may have been bought at the same store as the juice that we'll be using in the sacrament. Certainly, both foods, your breakfast and, and our Holy Communion, came, grew from the same ground, the same, the same dirt from which you and I are made. Bread and juice representing the body and blood of Jesus come from a humble origin. Isn't that interesting that God takes humble Things, basic things, bread representing basic nourishment, blood representing the, 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 the wine, rather, representing just basic drink that uses them to do something holy and sacred. And think about the dirt. It's in the dirt that, that stalks of wheat grow and mature and, and produce kernels of grain, and that is picked and then it's it's ground up into flour that bakes the bread that we bless on the altar that becomes the body of Christ but it starts in the dirt and from the dirt a vineyard is planted and vines grow drawing up nourishment and water from the soil to produce grapes and those grapes are picked and they're crushed and the juice is fermented to make wine, and we bless it on the altar. And it becomes for us the blood, the blood of Christ. Humble origins, but sacred purpose. That's who we are, friends. Humble in our origins. Sacred in the purpose that God gives us. We are born of God's dirt. Lovingly shaped lovingly formed, reformed from time to time throughout our lives. The truth is, you and I may not be much in the world's eyes. They may not look at dirt and think much of us. Heck, you may not be much in your own eyes. A lot of of us struggle with that. That's why humility matters, because it reminds us of who we are in God's eyes, made by God, loved by God, used by God. Friends, you are dirt. You're God's dirt. You're dirt and so much more. Each week we've been giving you an ability, uh, something that you might want to try this week just to take this message and apply it. I want to encourage you this week to memorize Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. I just read it to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I invite you to memorize that this week. I'm going to, and say it over and over. When you get ready in the morning, looking in the mirror, and you're brushing your teeth, but when you're, when you Catch an eye, a look at yourself in your rearview mirror driving. Say it to yourself. For I 
and fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's pray. So remind us of the simple truth, Lord. Keep us humble. Remind us that we're made from dirt, but it's your dirt. And remind us that you love us. Remind us of who we are and help us to love ourselves as you would have us love ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.